0: Of course, but maybe. <laughs> the land of well, hello there, my friends. Rafia from the Endgame Investor with this week's silver report for Arcadia Economics, and uh, we have some stories to tell. There are some good stories. There are some bad stories. There are some interesting stories. There are some stories about, of course. But maybe there's some other stories, a lot of stories still. But we're going to start out with this week's sponsor, for this week's Silver Report, which is, as always, Fortuna Silver Mines. Nothing to do with tuna, has a lot to do with fortune, and it has a lot to do with silver and gold, actually. So here's one slide from their latest corporate presentation which is the Fortuna Silver Mine's cost of production. One thing about cost of production, first of all, here are their main, five main biggest mines. First of all, Lindero Mine for gold per ounce, all in sustaining cost, that's AISC, 1430 to 1580, Yaramoko, 1550 to 1710, Seguela, which is their most productive and newest mine after acquiring Roxwell, $880 to 1080, San Jose mine for silver, $14.7 to $16.2 an ounce for silver. And Kailoma, $19.1 to $21 an ounce for silver in Peru. You can see all of these are well within the costs, the the, the prices for gold and silver. One thing about um, less, per, less efficient mines, mines with higher cost of production, which would be the Aramoco miner, Burkina Faso, 1550, 1710. You might think that that's a negative. However, it is the least efficient mines that will have the biggest capital increases, capital value increases when the price of gold Rises a uh, uh, substantially above that uh, upper fold here of seventy ten. and we're we're way above seventy ten. We're well within profitability margins here. Uh, but it's the it's the less efficient mines that will have the most capital appreciation because they're uh, they're unprofitable at um, not this not this one specifically, but uh, less uh, efficient mines are unprofitable at lower gold prices and they become profitable at higher gold prices, therefore, their capital value goes from negative to positive, and that's what increases or pushes stock prices uh, higher. So for a, the point is, for a responsible company like Fortuna, it's good to have a mix of these types of mines with, with an ultra-efficient mine with very, very low cost production like the Seguela mine, uh, plus a, a higher cost production mine that gives you a mix of uh, more leverage and less leverage mines in a single stock. Which is another reason why I like Fortuna to your own due diligence. Um, I do own the stock, and we're going to continue with this week's Silver Report. I wanted to start out with this report talking about oil. Okay, we have here uh, the oil in reserves, the SPR, and something (laughs) quite funny is happening with the SPR. Let me tell you about it. Let me tell you a story here. This is pretty funny. So, oil in reserves has has plummeted by the most ever since the U.S. government started stockpile oil for safety reasons. Now apparently they're doing it for like market stabilization reasons, or trying to be traders of oil, uh, or just trying to lower the oil price. So here you have an article from Bloomberg. This is a chart from Bloomberg showing the SPR and how it has basically gone vertically down since uh uh 2020 uh what happened when nothing happened in 2020 2020 was a completely normal year nothing out of the ordinary happened and uh, if you say that it did then um uh you must be crazy but anyway u.s officials says this article are working to refill <laughs> refill that's funny i don't know what refill means but yeah they're working to refill the strategic petroleum reserve and we'll go into the reasons why this is funny that, that Bloomberg even makes this claim. After a historic 180 million barrel drawdown ordered by President Joe Biden, Joe, sleepy Joe, Joe Brandon, brought to brought it to about half of its capacity. He, he sold basically half of the oil in like a few months um, as he sought to tame high gasoline prices in the aftermath of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The Biden, here's the, here's the funny thing, okay? The Biden administration has stated stated with authority that it would buy crude when it dropped when crude dropped to around 67 to 72 dollars a barrel Um, okay so let's let's see here this is the uh this is the crude um, uh, chart here from stockcharts.com very useful site so 67 to 72 dollars a barrel so since the branded administration has started to uh, sell off oil. How often has oil been between sixty-seven to seventy-two dollar price range? Well, here and here, and here was it below, and here. This is all in 2021. And okay, so fine. You want to start uh, from the Russians' invasion of Ukraine? So fine, we'll start there. It's been below. It's been in that range here in 2022, here in 2023, twice. Here, 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 here. They've had plenty of chances. Plenty, plenty of chances to uh, buy more oil to restock the strategic petroleum reserve. And they did not do it. But here's an even funnier chart. So uh, here is a close up of the sell off of the strategic petroleum reserve. Here, you know, look, okay, so here, um, uh, this was April 2020. I think you remember what happened in April 2020. Uh, that is when oil hit on the futures market negative 35 dollars a barrel so that means if you bought oil you had been paid to buy that oil paid to buy that oil for 35 dollars a barrel did they stock the spr uh did i think that trump was in charge here uh, I, trump buy whatever you know who cares but uh were they did they restock the spr here did they bring it up did they buy oil uh, no no not even negative 35 dollars a barrel did they buy oil Hello. Anybody home? Uh, Think McFly. Think. Hello. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Anybody home? Hey. Think McFly. Think. The last time they bought, or to restock the SBR was here in May 2020, and they bought until about, let's say, what's before September, August 2020, and from then on, they've been selling. So it was long before the uh, February 2022 invasion of Ukraine by Russia, they started selling off oil here, right? Uh, the invasion of Ukraine by Russia, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, only accelerated the sell-off of the oil SPR. But, you know, the, uh, the government's not so smart. If they wanted it to really top off the SPR, they should have done it over here when oil was actually priced negative. Uh, I wanted to, uh, we're going to talk about silver in a second, but this is the third chart of oil here. This I titled, A Quick Lesson in Technical Wonder School of Trading Magic hoo um, if you are a, uh, inv- a, a subscriber to the Endgame Investor, you will know that I do not completely discount technical analysis. I do give it some weight. I don't ignore it completely. But it's much simpler than most people tend to think that it would be. Here, I, I generally just track the, um, the, the weekly moving averages. I do other things, but it, it's, mostly, it's mostly very, very simple. So when you see here the price of oil, you can see here that it, in a in a bullish market, bounced off of the fifty week moving average over here in late twenty twenty one, hit a high as the Russian invasion of Ukraine hit its crescendo, uh, and started to sell off here as supply and demand got back in balance and people and uh, the central bank started raising interest rates. And here you see a, a bearish sign, right, where we break below the fifty week moving average and then we're bumping up against it, can't quite rise above it. Here again, same thing, here again, same thing. And all of a sudden we hit the 200-week moving average. Oops, look at that. And we're hitting it, we're hitting it, we're hitting it, we're hitting it again. And now, look at that. We're back above the 50 week moving average. So in a basic technical sense, uh, yeah, oil is in a bull market right back now. And it doesn't mean we won't break back back down below this level. We could do that, but um, I think we've bottomed out because we've hit this level. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven times and uh, why is it like 15 weeks or so? Yeah, I think this is the bottom and we're headed much higher. So there's no way, I don't think that the branded administration is going to, uh, sorry, Biden administration, I forget his name sometimes, uh, that they're going to be able to restock the SPR at 6772. It's not, it's not going there anymore, I don't think. And if it does, it's going to be very, very brief. They're not going to be able to buy much. So we're going to continue here. Uh, talk about the uh, the money supply. Um, I, for the same reasons that I mentioned last week, I don't think the money supply is going to be growing much over the longer the medium to long term or even the short term. Uh, if you look at these uh, the reverse repos which I've mentioned every week on the silver reports in the last four or five weeks but I think they're very important. We see here that the reverse repos, this is the money that is not yet in the money supply, but was printed during 2021, couldn't fit in. Uh, This is when the auctions for the uh, T-bills started after the resolution of the debt ceiling. And uh, the reverse repos went down as money was sucked back into the money supply as um, reverse repos were turned into treasury bills and the government uh, took them money in and spent it into the money supply. But now they're stagnant again since about mid uh, early, early July, we've been around the same level. So there's no more money being rushed into the money supply. I think we are stagnating here. If we go to the next slide, Uh, this has to do with the treasury uh, auctions that have taken place since the debt ceiling was raised. So here we have an announcement from the Treasury, July 31st, 2023, Treasury announces marketable borrowing estimates. So basically, here I'm gonna read it here. And the title here is, of course, of course it's just an honest mistake, but maybe they're just idiots. Maybe. Of course, if you're fighting for your country and you get shot or hurt, it's a terrible tragedy. Of course if you get shot by the dude you were just shooting at, it's a tiny bit your fault. Uh, here, Washington. The U.S. Department of the Treasury today announced its current estimates of privately held net marketable borrowing for the July to September 2023 and October to December 2023 quarters. During the, the third, let's just call it the third quarter, um, oh, was it the second quarter? I don't know what quarter it is, whatever it is, uh, Treasury expects to borrow trillion in privately held net marketable debt. Assuming the end of September cash balance is $650 billion, the borrowing estimate is $274 billion higher than announced in May 2023. So that's like 25% higher, 30% higher, whatever the percentage is, it's much higher than was announced in May 2023. Why is that? Primarily due to the lower beginning of quarter cash balance and higher end of quarter cash balance, as well as projections of lower receipts and higher outlays of $83 billion anyway. So the treasury underestimated uh, federal borrowing needs. Uh, Is it an honest, maybe it's not an honest mistake. Maybe they're very, very honest people in the federal government budget office or whatever, but but maybe, maybe, (laughs) maybe they're just idiots or propagandists or whatever you want to call them. Okay, now we're going to go into gold and we're going to silver in a second. Uh, gold open interest. I follow this a lot as a, uh, a proxy to where a, an intermediate trend change is going to occur. Uh, so we see here the gold price and here's a trend line, uh, but we see here these local lows here. Um, well, early here, actually. Here was a local low, below. Here was, this is a triple bottom here. Um, of uh, what was it, 1620, that was uh, that was a major major triple bottom. And it starts out here with open interest, the number of contracts that are open on the futures market just below 440,000, uh, about 428,000 like that, 10,000 contract can be liquidated in the day, it's not that big. Uh, here we see here again, um, the uh, the open interest goes to about this number. And again, here we see a local low in February of 2023, a, a, a daily cycle, intermediate cycle, whatever you want to call it. Here's a low in open interest and a low in the gold price, and we set higher from here. And here again, we have another low, which we have just uh, overcome in this latest rally. Uh, and here we have another low in open interest. And here again, look at that. We ha- we're about just below. Four hundred forty thousand. We're a little bit above where the uh, where the intermediate lows have been, but we're pretty close to it. Close enough that I think that the latest correction from here to about from about just below two thousands where we are now, about nineteen thirty seven. It says where I think we're a little bit higher than that. Uh, this is the spot price, not the futures price. But uh, the point is, we're we're pretty near uh, a local low below in open interest, and I don't think the gold price, and hence the silver price is going to head much lower from here into the near future, intermediate future, I think we're pretty close to a local low. Um, About silver, okay? So I I addressed this on the Endgame Investor a few days ago. Um, I I talk about this whenever there's big changes or notable changes in the registered silver supplies, and we're back down to 31.5. I think it's 31.6 now. I think it went up a little bit yesterday or two days ago or whatever it was. So anyway, we're, we're at 31.54 million. And I hear a lot of comments, and I understand them, and I feel this way too, that uh, you know the silver registered supply on the COMEX goes up, it goes down, it doesn't really matter, it's irrelevant, and it's frustrating, it's annoying, why do I follow it, it's a waste of time. Okay, fine, I get it. Um, I don't completely disagree with that. I don't know exactly what's the most important indicator. I don't pretend to know I track a bunch of them, try to triangulate. I don't pretend to be a genius that knows the uh exact um mathematical formula for predicting silver price i don't think anybody really does and i just don't pretend to know it um but i try to do what makes the most sense to me and this makes a lot of sense so my point about registered silver is this look we have uh we've very rarely been below uh, at around this level okay i made a rectangle here this is between 40 and 20 million as i marked here in this little rectangle here So we've very, very rarely been below that. Almost never until 2011. In 2011, you know what was going on. Um, Silver was at a a high of around $50, and it was still trading very high here. And I think this was a reason for uh, the registered silver to be so low because much of it was sold uh, already. And it goes back into the COMEX as the silver price drops. Yeah. Um, And here, too, uh, we had uh, the end of the silver bear market and uh, let's see, we had that local high here in 2016 and, and the registered silver supply hit an all time low back here. Okay, so here we have another low here in that same range after here is silver squeeze right here where this cliff started. So yeah, silver squeeze is doing significant damage to the COMEX registered supplies. But here's my point in the next slide, okay? My point here is these boxes are uh, the same time frame when registered silver was between 20 and 40 million ounces. So here in 2011, here were the physical premiums for junk silver. And I use junk silver as a proxy for general premiums uh, that take away the special characteristics of each uh, bullion coin, but it's about an average. Uh, So in 2011, 2013, premiums were even here, they were below zero. Means it costs it costs less at this time to accumulate physical silver than it did to buy paper silver, which means that uh, silver is pretty overbought here. If you looked at the premium prices, you would have seen that. And I wasn't active in the silver space at that point, um, so uh, I couldn't have informed you. And it wasn't really much of a community back then. But anyway, uh, second point is here that this was the second period when registered silver supplies were between 20 and 40 million when they were so low. So in 2016 and 2018, that was the same or rectangle that I put here, 2016, 2018, you see here. Okay. I'm um, go back to this chart. Uh, during most of the time, yeah, at the beginning, premiums were high, but during most of that period, premiums were low and they, they, they edged even towards zero towards the end. So uh, uh, towards all-time lows in physical premiums. Now, it's a different story. Okay. Uh, we have... The registered silver supply at 31.5 million. This is why I think it's significant now. It might be significant. This is what I think. And uh, during this time, when silver, registered silver supplies is between 20 and 40 million, which is a historic low of registered silver on the COMEX, we have an, an elongated, elevated physical silver premium and the higher physical silver premiums are even though they've gone down recently they're still above 20 percent 22 and percent the longer that we have elevated premiums for physical silver the more incentive there is for silver to leave the comex and supply the physical markets so we have never been at this low of a registered silver supply with this high of a, an elongated prolonged high of silver premiums with silver, uh, registered by this low, so I think this time is different. We'll see. That's what I think. And okay, we're gonna go for a minute into bonds. We are back at <clears throat> this is a this is a day or two old. Uh, the ten-year yield we've broken above the fifty-week moving average and the two hundred-week moving average decisively, and we are about to break through. This line of about 4.15, 4.2, 4.25, whatever it is. I think we're at 4.15 now. And rates have really risen since the uh, news came out that the Treasury was going to sell even more bonds than previously thought. Because, you know, they had a trillion dollar deficit to cover instead of a $725 billion whatever it was. And you have that downgrade of uh, U.S. debt. By Fitch, which has no uh, fundamentally, but it could trigger some insurance companies to buy less treasuries. I don't know what they're going to buy instead. They're probably just going to adjust their policies. But, you know, it's it's a public embarrassment. So that's what it is. So anyway, we're at the final support, uh, actually resistance line for yield at about 4.2. And this is the 2008 high here, just before the financial crisis. And uh, once we hit here, there's really no, there's really no stopping a move to about five and point two five. But we'll see what the Fed does. It all depends on them. So yes, interest rates are headed higher. The silver supply is headed lower on the registered comic supply, and the Strategic Petroleum Reserve doesn't look like it's going to be replenished anytime soon or ever. And those who are saying in the government that are going about to replenish it are probably full of a bunch of marketing talking points, and that's all. So though it might not be apparent from the immediate silver price right now, and this uh, little correction from wherever the high was, $24 uh, maybe, it's always frustrating, but it's not going to last. We see what's on the wall. We see the writing on the wall. We see what's going on in the world. None of it makes sense. And the only thing that we know actually is real money is gold and silver, gold for the banks and silver for the people. When the people wake up, it's not even silver climbing. It's really the dollar falling. When the dollar really falls, it's silver that will rise the most because the people's money is not gold. It is silver because silver has really been suppressed since 1873, not 1971. 1873 when the dollar moved off a silver standard onto a gold standard which was an attack on the public in favor of the rich the public owned silver the rich owned gold that was the major wealth transfer from the middle class to the rich all the way back in 1873 so we have a lot of justice to meet out and it will come don't worry about that all that is required is logic and patience and understanding the right team and what team you're on. This is Rafi of The Endgame Investor. If you enjoyed this silver report, please sign up for a two-week free trial of The Endgame Investor where you can support Chris and Yara and the whole Arcadia economics team. Uh, And you can sign up to my Patreon Patreon where I give a biblical angle on these topics for emotional comfort for myself and for my patrons to understand The context of history that we are all in going back 3,000 years from today. I'll see you guys hopefully a lot sooner than 3,000 years from now, probably next week. Of course.